Welcome all the listeners of the Affiliated Podcast. We have a very special episode today because we're going to go a little bit more laid back because we're bringing in an in-house guest. And more excitingly, guys, we hear a lot of people talk about all the time with all the transactions ClickBank has. Hundreds of millions of dollars are processed. Not trying to humble brag or anything like that, but... What that really means is we have tons of data, tons and tons and tons of data. And oftentimes we haven't always shared that very openly, but over the last couple of quarters, our marketing team is preparing a really amazing report um, called our rundown report, re-release and share some of the findings of that data of the top sellers in the market, the top direct response marketers, and giving you some of that information so you could be better marketers going into this year. And we have Taylor, uh, our director of content, all these other things I can't remember, just overall badass. One of my favorite people. Um, definitely, I like him more than Thomas, that's for sure. So. <laughs> I like him more than Thomas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so uh, we're gonna talk and share some of those insights with you guys today, which is, I think, just gonna be so amazing. You're gonna definitely wanna give it a listen. And afterwards, you're gonna wanna go check out the report, but we're gonna share some of the highlights because we took an entire year's view. Um, so think about the last year and all the marketing data points you would like to have and like to know. Um, but don't have, well, in the next 30, 45 minutes, you will. So I'm pretty excited to talk about it. How are you doing today, Taylor, by the way? Great. Feel good. good to be behind the the microphone. Yeah, yeah. Taylor is normally behind the cameras um, and tr yelling at Thomas and I uh, to be better. So um, it's good that we get to yell at him later. <laughs> um, and, and of course, we have the amazing, the perfect, the beautiful, Thomas, oh, my man, <laughs> uh, joining us today also, um, well, always joining us. It's not the podcast without Thomas. So, um, but really excited. So let, let's jump into some things. So Taylor, why don't you just, first, if you give just, just everyone a little bit of background of what you guys do every single time you get ready to prepare this report. And specifically this time when you're looking at 2021, one of the most interesting years in terms of 2020 was crazy, but 2021's gonna be great. One up. Then it happened. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so so share us a little about the process and kind of some of the things that we have uh, for for this rundown report. Yeah, for sure. So uh, this is a report that you know, again, we've been kind of compiling these year-end reports for I think two years now, and a lot of the times we've looked back on the year and past and just kind of pulled a lot of data points, try to tell a story of like what happened last year, but you know, something that we realized and really wanted to help a lot of our clients and just people in general is like, okay, we have all this data that can tell a story for next year. So the big focus this year was, uh, you know, figuring out what those storylines were and how we can talk to these subject matter experts, which we do on the podcast all the time to help kind of predict what 2022 is going to bring. And so this report is all about, you know, hey, what's happening this next year as far as, you know, uh, we basically broke it down into three main pieces, right? Like macro e-com trends. So we we got a membership to Statista, which is a huge database that compiles a ton of data. So, you know, Daniel, shout out to him. Uh, he he helped compile this report, and we we looked at you know really big picture macro ecom trends. Um, then we kind of niched down a little bit. We went to channel specific. Uh, so we looked at Facebook, you know, email, and even affiliate programs. Kind of what's the hot takes for this next year? You know, what, what are the what are the key investments, things like that. And then the third, I think, and most in, important and fascinating data that came out of this report was probably the um the survey that we did and so so we polled over a hundred uh businesses doing at least seven figures on our platform kind of asked them hey where are you making your investments how many channels are you operating on I mean, we'll, we'll dive down deeper into yeah, that, some but, cool stuff there yeah yeah i mean like you know just to really you know really see what you know i think we all have a general idea of what people are doing but when you actually can like pull together responses and see like oh really like people are generating revenue on five or more channels like 80 percent of them are like 
that's the kind of stuff that I think is is going to be really helpful to people, whether you know you're just getting started or you know you're you're scaling and looking to see what other people are having success with. So. Yeah, and that's really new too. To, I mean, all this is relatively new um, when you think about how we're doing it. We definitely haven't surveyed the people that are doing it and the people that we all really care. If you're out there in the listening universe, you care what the top offer owners are doing, what they're planning on. Well, I mean, we surveyed and found out. So I'm super excited to, to jump into some of that stuff because that is a really amazing section. But I think just to kick things off, um, let's talk a little about, you know, what happened in 2021. What are some of the the data points that we were able to find, um, mm-hmm. you know, on this rundown report, what stood out to the marketing team? Sure. So for, for those of you listening or watching, uh, if you want, there's a link in the description below. Uh, it's clickbank.com forward slash 2020 dash traffic dash trends. So uh, if you want to follow along, take a look at the report, check it out yourself. But um, we'll yeah, pause and let them do that. Yeah. Can you say <laughs> we'll it faster pa- now and backwards? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but no. So so I mean, it's no secret. I mean, I think we all know this, right? Like more businesses, everyone's going online. That's not anything new, right? Like I think no one would say, oh, wow, that's a huge finding. Right. But uh, something that was really interesting, uh, you know, if you guys remember in 2020, um, there was a record number of businesses filed online, like new businesses. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah it shattered a record like like broke it by like 20 percent um, wow which you know makes sense people were out of jobs right they're trying to start their own online jobs so we saw a flood of people coming online to start start their own start their own companies right but you know so they everyone i think expected it to taper off or like flatline a little bit in 2021 it beat it again by another 22 percent whoa so we're, we're seeing this like crazy <laughs> shoot of just yeah. these people whether it's you know solopreneurs or like old brick and mortar businesses finally opening up that shopify store or just like bringing something whatever online to, do, to go do that. So so that was fascinating, right? And, and another thing that we pulled is, um, you know, the e-com sector just in general is expected to grow by $1.4 trillion in the next two years, which I think is another Jeez. like 30, 40% or something like that. So all their Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So so what does this mean, right? So everyone's coming online, right? So means more businesses are buying ad spend because that's how you promote your products online, right? So something that we saw, um, you know, there's less inventory to buy on these ad platforms, which means higher prices, right? So um, we pulled, you can check this out in the report too, but CPMs are up 55% from the start of 2020. So almost, almost 55%, wow. 55%. So yeah, so uh, CPM, January, 2020, just quickly, a CPM, average CPM on Facebook was $9.89. In December of 2021, so last month, Fifteen dollars and three cents. Wow! So, so for every thousand views, it's costing you five dollars more on Facebook, which yeah. is, you know, and, and not to only say that's yeah. that's just the cost of increase, but the challenge to get a customer is now increased as well. Yeah. So where we have seen a lot more buyers, which is great. There's a lot more buyers going online. Um, super exciting, and they're not going back. That's one of the things that's really I love that you highlight and we show in the report. Um, is it isn't changing. That's one of the behaviors that that isn't going to necessarily go backwards. I think people saw Uber Eats and thought, I would never like to go to a restaurant ever again. So uh, obviously we could just never leave our home and shop online. And I mean, you, you could even look at look no further than the fact that Black Friday on um, the arms race to how soon on Friday you could open up has completely stopped. Yeah, everything. But but I, I think that spells and says so much about how the consumers change. But at the same time, the competition for those consumers is heavy. And I remember we did a podcast with somebody at ASW. I can't remember their name. I, I should have remembered or, or looked into this. But they had talked about how one of the other big things they saw was traditional media ad spend 
in 2020 just basically like, you know, dissipated because a lot of these companies are like, ah, oh, COVID can't do anything. Um, so what they did is they took, instead of going into 2021 with that ad spend, they we, they were able to get out a lot of these contracts that they were really locked into with the traditional media. And they went over and invested like collectively, I think it was like a trillion dollars or, yeah. or a billion dollars just in Facebook alone. And yeah. when you're saying traditional media, right? We're talking like TV, radio, TV, radio. radio yeah. I mean, yeah. we're talking like big brand budgets. Yes. Taking, like, you know, like Super Bowl commercial type ad spend yeah. being flooded into. Yeah. And Facebook. even to, to feel, I met and have um, a prospect I've been working with that they are coming over because they were traditionally traditional media direct response companies. They made, you know, QVC or they would do, you know, um, I don't even, like infomercials. That was their game. But that has become so challenging for them. And with COVID, it was just it's not working anymore. So they're shifting over online yeah. and all those budgets and that experience to go on to direct response online sales. So and then there's the fact that Facebook just said, we're just gonna increase cost. Like, yeah. Before there was more competition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that was what Kurt Molly was saying when I interviewed him on just his on podcast. The metaverse. Yeah, well, yeah. like, hey, we need to raise more money because there's less users hopping onto Facebook. So we're just gonna increase the cost of running ads. Yeah. Because yeah. we can. <laughs> so yeah. it's inherently got more expensive even mm -hmm. when there was, I think that it actually happened when there was that like whole boycott Facebook movement a few summers ago or two summers ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like there was a less inventory. So ads went where it was easier to get a reach on Facebook with your paid ads. But then there's like, we're just going to increase cost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And people will pay it because there's still billions of eyeballs on Facebook. Yeah. So, what, well, I, I've got a question. So just kind of framing this around this. So, you know, these costs increasing, right? If you're a small player in the game, you're, you know, Kurt Malley mentioned it on a podcast before. If you haven't checked it out, go listen to it. I think yeah, it's, it's really good. It's really good. Uh, I think it's episode it's in the 30s somewhere. Yeah. Just check it out, Kurt Malley. But um, something something he mentioned, you know, is like, you know, you're you're going to get priced out those those small to medium sized businesses. Right. And so, like, if you're not doing it right. So what have you guys seen, uh, you know, as far as like this year and even businesses going into the next year? Like how how are people diversifying their channels? Like what what are some of the focus areas, best practices, things you can do with that? Yeah, well, I think we've seen a max exodus from people only leveraging Facebook to leveraging other channels. Other, for their paid media, right? We've seen people really increase their proudness, proudness, that's a word, um, their spend on things like YouTube. I've, you know, YouTube has picked up in big ways as far as people running ads on that platform. Native as well has grown quite a bit, right? It's even like the people that have always done native, they're doing more now. And I know that there's a lot more people hopping into native learning how to do it, who have done traditional ad spend or you know, media ad spend on other things like Facebook. And then obviously TikTok has blown up too, right? We've seen people, they unveil their ad platform, I think sometime middle of last year, early last year, but people have been really picking up that and kind of coming into spades with, you know, some of the biggest Facebook ad buyers I know have pivoted, you know, a large chunk or all of their focus into TikTok because the reach there is so much wider um, and the, you get that organic exposure to that doubles down on it that Facebook used to have but now it's almost all paid. You get that organic plus paid with TikTok. So we're seeing those big channels, TikTok, native, YouTube, really growing as far as ad spend goes. Yeah, yep. and and just to kind of build off that, I think one of the other strategies that really fit into what Thomas just said too, is content is becoming more important. So creating organic and high quality content. Um, we'd had a podcast uh, you know, recently with that SEO firm. They talked about how the quality of content is now being so much more leveraged and algorithmically boosted than it ever has before. It was in Google, and I'd imagine very similar across other platforms. In fact, understanding how TikTok's platform works, it's Retention. you get 10 views, then we're gonna scale that up till you get to 100 views, and it just keeps serving up every single benchmark. And that's how 
virility happens so much faster though. That's how somebody goes from, you know, zero to having a hundred million subscribers in a 14 month period, where even on YouTube that took 10 years for somebody to achieve that. So you can see this rapid growth occurring, but it's really contingent. One of the areas is get better at creating content that people want to actually ingest. Use some of those marketing skill sets, not create something that somebody will buy, but something somebody will engage in and in, in yeah. reach with, right? So, so some of the content games. Now, I will say if you're just like, content makes a guilt and you don't want to do any of that stuff. That's there's still opportunities for you, but it's kind of what Thomas had said, like going to YouTube and using their their paid platforms, even going back on Google and some of the other ones. Um, I mean, there's even if you want to get really off the off the things that are getting a little bit crazy is all these major retailers like large big box retailers, their online stores have open marketplaces. So Walmart, yeah. Home Depot, yeah. um, like I think Kohl's, like pretty much almost all of them have that. So you're seeing tons of drop shippers and people go to those sources um, to, to to start marketing and making money there. Um, so so if you if you're like, hey, paid media, blah, like there's other places where you go. Oh, I don't want to create content. Blah, okay, go to those other sources. You could still get um, money and do that. But Facebook is going to be an expensive place to, think, to make yeah. that happen. That's what I was going to say. I think the other big shift I've seen push, not just putting money in other paid traffic sources, is this big focus on increasing lifetime value for the customers you're getting because all the profits going to acquiring the customer across all these channels too, because they're all not cheap. Some are cheaper than others or more effective than others. Another big one is email. Like it, that was one of the most shocking things I saw in this rundown report is how much focus is going into email yeah. when you always hear that, oh, email's dead every year, right? Those articles come out, but it's just obvious that once you hold this customer, have this contact list, like what can you be doing to monetize that person for the rest of that time, their contact for you. And that's where we're seeing people really delve into and why Kyle and I are probably on the phone with similar types of companies who want affiliates to promote, who want to grow their email list, who want to be affiliates themselves and all these other things, right? So increasing that lifetime value with higher ticket products, with subscriptions, whatever it might be, or being an affiliate themselves and then getting different types of traffic sources that aren't just pay to play. Yeah. And I was just going to say just one last point on Thomas thing. Like we definitely have seen a lot of that over 2021. A big new lead base that came in was, man, I have so many options. And what I was what, what I was doing isn't working anymore. But where do I go? Well, affiliates is like a channel of channels, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, dedicate this one channel to something that could open you up to lots of different channels. So because um, we have affiliates that run TikTok and run Facebook and run YouTube and run native and run Google. So now you have access to all those traffic channels and really what is one traffic channel with affiliates. So so we definitely seen a lot of people specifically coming to us for that exact reason. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, even going back, you know, there was two points that I, I wanted to, to wedge in there that you guys were mentioning, right? Like when we're when we were talking about, you know, channel diversification, part of the survey that we were looking at, right? Like, um, you know, when we, we think about, you know, affiliate marketing, especially like like affiliate marketers, just pure play media buyers, like using one channel, what we found 80% of, of our platinum clients making seven figures are using at least three. And then, God, what was it? Over a third of them are using five or more. So, I mean, it's it's very well diversified, you know, the, the big time players, which, um, you know, that was that was that was fascinating to see, especially from them. And then, you know, the, the biggest thing when we dove deeper into saying like, hey, what channel is the biggest focus? Email was number one. Like that's yeah, I mean, it was it was close. Right. Email at 28 percent. Facebook, I think it was 25 percent. And then Google and YouTube were there. But still, like very surprising to see. And you, you actually had a really great 
podcast interview with Jimmy Kim of Sunline mm -hmm. back at uh, was it uh, TNC? TNC, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, where you know he he was talking about you know how even just um, you know like relationship marketing is still king, especially when email like within your email channel and just like being able to really nurture that and grow that. A lot of people treat email as just like a way to just like kind of drop some links and you know bring it out for cash. But. Yeah, people are having to get better at email marketing because it's kind of like any other platform too like the user experience on a platform is very important to people like you know the esps that are controlling the servers that are going through they don't want spam complaints right so they're holding SendLane accountable and those users accountable so people are having it better at writing and crafting those emails mm -hmm. something i want to mention too with like those seven figure earners or companies right making three to five revenue streams work just for the people that aren't there yet who are in the five, six figure range, right? Like it doesn't mean you have to go diversify into four more traffic channels tomorrow, right? To be successful, like get one working. If you don't have email working yet, maybe layer that on because that's another big one you can add for your revenue stream. But I think it really highlights though that what got you to six or mid six figures is not what's gonna get you necessarily to seven, right? And so like, what do you need to add on or improve on that you're already doing? To scale up to that point it probably is adding in a revenue channel or doubling down on like oh yeah we do email like how much of that revenue is is that for you five percent why isn't it 30 right and kind of looking at where you need to add to those pieces of the pie yeah and it really comes down to i think it's your business elasticity like yeah. as things change how can you change as well and the more you're levered into one traffic channel and not diversified just means you're really exposed and as much as we saw new businesses get creative for 2021 we also saw a lot disappear because they were so levered on facebook yeah. and then they lost it stopped working for them so they they started contracting they started having to really materially change their business not in a way that any of us wants to right you're shutting be, things down yeah i'd be willing to bet of those like three to five plus traffic channels i'd be willing to bet that one to two of them make up the majority of yeah. front-end sales still right yeah and then that the rest are probably adding on to lifetime value or other traffic streams yeah. so yeah, that's, I don't think you're going 25, 25, 25, 25 percent across four. You're probably going 80, 10, 10, 10, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, now that and that actually going back to email is really like that you brought that up and and just want to kind of highlight it more because one of the other survey questions that I thought was really interesting and, and not surprising, but interesting um, was the biggest challenge you face as your um, face as your business continues to scale. The number one by far and away was profit margins. And it's no surprise <laughs> that email is such a focus in 2022 yeah. Yeah. because when profit margins matter the most, email is probably the most profitable traffic source that you could have, especially in LTV and increasing. Yeah. If you get people to engage and open your emails, the profit margin on sending those emails versus them reading and engaging with them is so high and so great. Um, to get some money to your bottom line revenue, especially if you start doing affiliate offers, because that's straight to the bottom line. You don't have to pay anything to go get a commission check. Um, so I just think as we see this as a big concern, as we see email as a big focus, you know, you could say that's just correlation, but I think it's correlation for good cause. You need to focus on your email to get high profit margin revenue into your business, yeah. especially when you have acquisition sources becoming unstable well also costs are going up for everybody yeah. i was listening to an npr pod or not podcast like radio broadcast and they're interviewing a restaurant owner i think it was local uh, to boise and they asked her kind of like well have your costs gone up and she's like well yeah they've had to she, and her example was a to-go box two years ago cost us 30 cents 
Now it's costing us $2.50. Wow. No way. And I was like, what? I was like, oh, you get like, like gold plated. Like, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> and so just like they have to pass that cost on to the consumer because yeah. it, it would just eat into their profit margins substantially. Right. And that's the true for any all the supplement people we talk to. Right. Getting mm -hmm. little stickers on top of the labels and like the, you know, the all the, the packaging, bottles. the packaging. Yeah. Right. All that stuff is in the cost has gone up mm -hmm. or like the supply chains have been disrupted. But that's all getting passed to the consumer with higher prices mm -hmm. because the profit margins are shrinking if you just try to eat it yourself. So, yeah, yeah profit margins become super important on those front end sales, but especially to grow that back and win it back with lifetime value. Yeah. Yeah. It's super critical to focus on those margins. Like you said, everything's we are in a period of hyperinflation that we haven't experienced in probably well, 100 years. So I want to say it's hyperinflation, Rob. You know. Oh well, it's it's quite a bit of inflation. <laughs> it is quite a bit. It's quite yeah. a bit. I would say it's it's above average. It's not Venezuela or Germany. You're right. You're yeah. right. We're not we're not at a yeah. point where we're, we, our money's just getting yeah. stuffed into things. But well, I, but it's I definitely getting ask, really expensive really yes. fast. Yeah. Something I wanted to touch on. So like you know one of the one of the parts that we uh, we were talking about in this survey, right? Uh, we asked you know hey what's your biggest challenge in 2022 one while you're scaling, right? Profit profit margin. Uh, obviously is there about like, how do you, how have you seen some of these businesses counteract some of that as like, you know, your business is doing well, but your margins are shrinking. How do you, you know, is it, is it through, I mean, one of the, one of the answers that I thought was fascinating was operational processes. Um, mm -hmm. Like people focus on if this is a job to be done and we need to hire people to do it. Like, yeah. That was really telling to me because I think um, I don't have it right in front of me. So you maybe quote the stats again, but it was something like software and processes are eating up X percent and then headcount was only 8%. Yeah. Right. So headcount was a really minor focus. And I noodled on that for a while because I, I see a lot of people looking to hire and they're finding a hard time finding people. So to me, what that's telling me, and this is completely anecdotal, is that people aren't hiring a ton of people. They're trying to hire for very specific roles and the right types of people, whether it's like a you know copywriting or affiliate management or these high end kind of very important key roles. But they're looking to be, OK, we're going to make a six plus figure investment into this one person here, not build it out this way and we're going to use software and tools to get more efficient across the whole company. Right. And that's where we've seen that. And the weird thing too, right. We, we saw front end sales and AOV increasing year and a half, two years mm -hmm. ago before inflation was quote unquote a thing. Right. And I think marketers realized they could just be charging more and customers would buy. And that obviously kind of leads to quote unquote inflation, I guess, if you want to call it that. But now it's kind of like what I don't know, what I'm curious about just a noodle on is like, the marketers who have good profit margin with their supplements and things like that, you know, 70 plus percent profit margin before customer acquisition cost, right? Like, are they still in a healthy place to pay paying out that or are they having to cut costs in other ways or make up LTV? And that's what yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that that breakdown of headcount to software to processes and operations was really telling that 8% was only going to headcount and the rest were going to marginal yeah. improvements elsewhere. Yeah. Well, I think that really spells what you see, some of the things that people are really excited about in, in terms of efficiencies. And I think it really comes down to headcount and sometimes hiring people because it's hard to hire the right people, mm -hmm. right? Could people that are experts at it still get it wrong? And if you're just an entrepreneur flying by the seat of your pants, trying to scale your business, hiring somebody might be the first big mistake you make in your business. Not because hiring a person was wrong, but you probably will hire the wrong person because it's really challenging. So uh, one of the things that I think we heard a lot about in 2021 is the idea of AI, AI for writing specifically, because talk about a difficult hire, a thing that you really need, they can get really expensive. 
is how do you start dealing with some of these writing things, whether it be content, we just talked about as a huge piece, right? How do you deal with content, whether it's copywriting, whether it's ideation, just sitting down and coming up with new ideas to split test, to optimize so you could increase your conversions, increase your AOV, and effectively increase your margins. Um, and having something like AI play a role in that, I think is really, really interesting. And more tools for, you know, we see some for video creation, whether that's scripts, ideas, so on and so forth. I think that's really, really telling that that is so exciting. It was the number one thing listed on here um, because it, it, it ties in exactly what you're talking about, operational efficiencies. Well, let's go into AI and find ways that we could kind of eliminate. Yeah, how do we make our copywriters yeah. supercharged, right? Yeah. Like how do we make them more efficient? So they're not having to come yeah. up with all that stuff just from ground zero every single yeah. time. Because yeah. what we really need is just, uh, how can I get to a winning offer faster? Yeah. Um, cause if I, I get more optimizing of those, versus building. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that that's one of those things that was really exciting that shows up in this report. And I was excited about last year coming into this year. And then it, it ties up and everything else we're seeing with those profit margins and ways to be more efficient. I know some people take this and say, well, they're taking all the jobs, you know, and kind of, it's not nothing like that. It's allowing the right people that are good at their jobs to be even better at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and eliminating a lot of the, the risk of getting people to overspend for crappy content or something like that. We, we had a good conversation with uh, Chris Haddad talking about how, you know, tools, you know, like AI copywriting tools, you know, everyone freaking out. They're like, okay, well, <laughs> so is this gonna be a bunch of robots writing all of the copy on the internet and anyone that was a writer is now out of a job. And, you know, I mean, Kyle, you said it perfectly, but yeah, I mean, his, uh, Chris's takeaway too was just like, no, I mean, you, you can use this as a way to, even just from an ideation standpoint of just like, okay, so they're just sitting down and getting writer's block, right? You've now equipped your your copywriter with you know a, 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 an ID, idea generating machine that you can say, oh, that's a great idea. And something interesting I thought Chris said as well, he's like, you know, AI will never be able to touch on the human emotion side as well as a human can, yeah. which I think, you know, still a really talented copywriter. There's a reason why they're hard to find and they're expensive is because they write really, really yeah. good copy. I'll be curious to see if it does compete with the bad copywriters, right? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. ones who just kind of plug in a template and go with it. I'll be curious yeah. to see if it either makes them better, hopefully, or if it kind of just weeds weeds them out a bit. But yeah. Well, and even stepping out of our marketing world, if you hear, so, so I, I was listening to a podcast with a woman that was using AI um, to figure out how to write with a really tough situation. It was the death of her sister. Mm. And so she goes through the process and then where the AI just like misses, misses, misses. But a lot of the people that learn how to feed it, so, so there's already a skill that people don't even realize that they could be working on if you're like, I'm not the best copywriter. But what you might be able to do is learn how to feed AI to produce better copy. That's a very tangible skill. Um, and this person was figuring it out. And eventually, as she fed it the right stuff, you did get much better content coming yep. out that was You're almost brilliant. like a producer at that yeah. point. Yeah. Feeding <laughs> AI copy. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's really so, a producer. I'm yeah. Like, so if, yeah. if you're if you're worried about your talent, just get good at feeding AI and yeah. you, you'll, you'll have a new I, job. I think you're spot on with that. That's yeah. a niche skill that's going to become in demand. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, well, one, one piece that I, I, I did want to touch on here that I don't think we really have yet and kind of taking the conversation back to uh, channel diversification, where, where we started, right? Um, one thing that we kind of teased at the beginning, but um, didn't really dive deep into is... Um, Look at, listen to this producer talk. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, using the affiliate channel as a channel mm -hmm. diversification tactic. Can you guys, you know, just, just kind of touch on, you know, you there's something, there's a quote that you've said, I think we used it in an an older report that I still find awesome and we're, we use in our marketing all the time is like affiliates should be driving 30% of your revenue. Yeah. Otherwise you're getting lapped. So 
how, how have you seen some of the most successful businesses uh, diversify their their marketing channels by using like an affiliate program? Yeah, no, I love this question. Um, so the best brands I see do it understand that what they're doing on, let's say, e-commerce or traditional e-commerce or their internal ad spend is not what's going to work for affiliates that drive even colder traffic than what they're pushing on their their own internal media. Right. So it's like they're going, OK, our marketing channels are not the best for affiliate traffic if we want performance affiliates to push this. So they invest in the copywriters, they invest in the funnel builders and kind of create a better offer around the products they have. And they put that in front of affiliates. What happens there is that, oh, wow, this offer converts really well to cold audiences. Let's steal what we're doing here for our affiliate channel and bring it into our in-house funnels. And now those are converting better to cold tra to like the colder traffic that's hitting that or to their influencer campaigns. Like, hey, instead of sending a 10 percent coupon off to our homepage, send to this lander that we've built for you with this image of you on it. Right. And now they're bleeding across the best practices they're using for direct response or performance affiliates across all their marketing channels. And now everything's converting a bit better, even if it's just marginal across your whole marketing channel. That's huge lifts. Right. And it's a big lever to pull. And that's what I see the best channels doing is that they're not just doing this works here, this works here, this works here. They're going, okay, let's take the best pieces and apply it and test it. And then when it's working, let's double down. Right, because a hook is a hook if it works, right? Like if, if you know, you have your kind of your direct response offer that you know is highly converting uh, to, to cold traffic, you can take a lot of those pieces and apply it to whether it's like an e-com store that you have. or Yeah, because you might you might be comfortable get testing, let's say, a more aggressive sales page to an affiliate that's pushing out to their email list versus something you're going to put on your in, on Instagram channel or something. Sure. Right. But you can take pieces of that and yeah. the emotional hooks from that and start applying it to your more evergreen or your kind of your home page or your kind of lander, your product lander pages and start to bleed that across and see conversions lift across those. And that's a big piece. The other big one too is I've seen people get a lot smarter with split testing and realizing that, hey, just because this is converting well on this channel doesn't mean it's gonna convert well on all. And let's understand why. And going down to the nitty gritty and going, okay, this is converting well on email, but it's actually converting way better on iOS versus Android. Why is that? Let's test this iOS control across iOS on search, on iOS on Facebook and see if that wins. It is winning great. Why isn't Android winning? Let's optimize for that. And they're optimizing across device type and demographic and getting really granular with how they're split testing. And that's how they're able to unlock some really big wins and kind of and keep up with the rising ad cost of, say, a Facebook platform, something like that. Yeah. And, and even still to go on that further, too, like it's different audiences they might not have thought of because it's not their decision to go figure out who I want to talk to. It's an affiliate's decision to look at your offer and say that this fits for me. So you you get access to a lot of different audiences, you know, sometimes even traffic sources that otherwise you might feel, eh, you know, I don't really want to <laughs> go into that. I don't want to go learn native, but boy, I, I'd be happy to work with a native affiliate to adjust my marketing, to do whatever and find out how that channel is going to respond. That's not to say you get all the data from an affiliate, they're not going to give you everything, but you could still get some powerful things. Um, and you're going to ask. Yeah, no, I was going to ask because that, that's really interesting. So like, let's say, yeah, you're, you're an offer owner that's not comfortable diving into native, but you know, let's say you've got a couple of affiliates that are very, you know, they run a ton of traffic on native. How does that, how does that relationship look and how, how can offer owners better, you know, like either reach out to them to, I know that you said they're not going to share all their data, but like, is it common that, you know, you call them up on the phone and say, hey, what's working for you? What's not, you know, because I've heard you guys talk about, you know, outreach to your affiliates and give them what they need so that they can have the most success for, you know, your offer. But like, 
what is that what does that relationship look like yeah well i think first one thing i just I want to finish one point and then i'll go and answer that question is i i was going to say too with what thomas said one of the great things about an affiliate channel, especially in the performance space, is it really challenges marketers to think about their offers differently, primarily because, especially in e-com, a lot of people focus on being where their customers are as opposed to taking their customers to where they are. And what I mean by that is oftentimes e-com is a lot of, let's produce content, let's make people engage until they get to a point that they're just ready to buy and then I happen to be there, right? It's, it's a lot of like grocery stores. How much of that is just real estate that, it, next time I need milk, I'm going to go not necessarily to some destination that speaks to me, right? Like co-op. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, but but it's going to be regionally what's closest to me, right? So all of a sudden now it becomes a real estate game and it becomes a positioning game. That's what a lot of people think of. But what they don't think about is, mm -hmm. do I really understand my product well enough to go somewhere that I have a problem? I don't even know what your product is or that it's a solution to my problem. Just I have a problem and you can connect that step in one interaction, right? That That's a real big stretch, I think, for a lot of companies, but a really healthy exercise what Thomas was talking about. And that's, I think, one of the big evaluations that they end up doing and why so many ideas come from an affiliate channel. So going to the next question, though, going if you are going to a different channel um, and you want to kind of work with an affiliate, I think the big thing is first, don't face plant. If you face plant on that traffic channel, um, <laughs> I, I, an affiliate like is not going to want to try again, right? It's just not, it's not a good fit. This is face planted. I lost money. Please don't talk to me, right? But oftentimes you get something where because it's been doing good on other channels, it did okay, but didn't do great. That's a perfect time to open up conversations. And the conversation is, hey, I saw some traffic, especially if working with someone like Thomas and I, we could look at the same thing, kind of like, yeah, no, we know this affiliate, let's connect it up. And then you're asking like, what, what more can we do? What else do you need? What are you seeing? Is there some custom creatives? What do you have some optimization ideas that we could do exclusively for you? So start working with them almost on a partnership basis and see what changes they think could improve their performance. And then also, I think a piece of that is don't say, yeah, that way you're going to push out a bunch of affiliates. It should be something where it's like, what do you need? I want to make these changes exclusively for you in your channel. Um, so now they feel like they're really invested and they get an offer that's going to be custom to them. And, and you could learn a ton from that. And sometimes those suggestions will open up a traffic channel to you. You had no idea you'd ever have access to. So huh. anything to add to that, Thomas? That sound about right to you? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. No, it's a, I think the... The fear of falling on your face, though, shouldn't be a blocker to starting, right? And like, you know, just if you're not sure where to start, buy a spy tool, see what's working well on X traffic source you're looking to do and start to ask yourself, why is that working? And what does my page or does my offer look anything like these? Mm -hmm. And if not, maybe build something that looks kind of like that to start. Right yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of like it. Kind of like it. I know. I told people like, hey, not exactly just like rip it. it off. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, can I? I'll <laughs> <laughs> I showed a guy who's new to the space and he'll probably listen to this, but I'm not knocking him too much because he didn't know any better. But um, I showed him a pay like he had built out a lander. I was like, hey, this is a good first try. Here's a better lander, in my opinion, of something you're kind of trying to do. Maybe model this. And he built like a paraphrased one to one example of that page. Like it was exact same p color. It looked like the exact same page. Just the copy was, you know, paraphrased a bit. I was like, dude, you can't run this. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is this is way too close to yeah. <laughs> to yeah. plagiarism here. And or he, to his credit, he's like, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. <bad>, right? <laughs> but, or, or the other thing yeah. is, make sure it's some a product that is the right product. I had a, kind of an interesting situation one time where somebody 
model their page after like a, a biz op offer. And then they were selling something completely different. And so oh, like yeah. the language inside is like, I feel like this isn't right. Like just everything isn't, is this doesn't make any sense at all. Cause yeah, different markets, different products doesn't necessarily mean that you should copy that. <laughs> Be inspired by that. We don't want yes. to use the terms copy. Don't copy anything. Well, um, yeah, I was going to say, guys, I, I think, um, you know, I don't want to give away the kitchen sink uh, in the report. So again, if you haven't, yeah. haven't checked it out. Uh, no, it's, I'd just love to say, like, I, I really push people to go check out this rundown report. I like that we're, you know, doing some future casting with it, um, just because I think it's a great barometer to hold up to your own business and your own planning for this year and just go, hey, is this feel right compared to what other people are doing, having success with in the space I'm already operating in. So I think it's really good just gut check for yourself. And if you haven't done any planning, this might be a good place to start. Be like, okay, what is working right now? What do I need to add this year to do even better? And this could be a good way for you to kind of fact check yourself a little bit and kind of see if you're on the right path. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. I mean, honestly, there's just amazing information in here and things that regardless of if you've, you haven't planned, which, oh no, <laughs> maybe you're on a different <laughs> calendar than everyone, but, yeah. um, but, but if you haven't, or if you have, the, like you said, it's just a perfect benchmark to say, am I in the right direction? Am I thinking the way that others are thinking? And if you aren't, why? Yeah. Because that's not necessarily a bad thing. For some businesses, it might be different. Just make sure you really understand why you're thinking that way. Does it line up with what you're seeing? Um, and, and in general, too, if you, if you are not in the planning phase, this is going to give you so many things to really steer you in the right direction, um, you know, going into this year and, and really years to come, because this is forecasting beyond just 2022. There's information and data in here that that scales out estimates all the way to 2024. Yep. Um, so you could really have a long-term vision in here um, and, and know not only what the best marketers are doing, but what the market that we all live in is doing. And it's um, projected to do. Yeah, yeah, and projected to do. Yep. So it's really, really exciting, really, really amazing. Um, and it's it's definitely something that your friends will be confused why you're so excited about it, but <laughs> unless they're in marketing as well. Um, but but you'll get a good you have a good time reading it. And guess what? It's just it's just an email. You know you don't have to, you should have to pay for this. You should charge people. So, well, yeah. Speaking of marketers not charging, char learning they can charge more. This is a good. <laughs> uh, but but it's not. It's it's honestly this is free information that a ton of time and effort has been put into. Um, and it's amazing. So thanks for doing it because no. I didn't have to do anything for it. I yeah, just it get to read. I love it. Now, I mean, you know, marketing team, we're really focused on just kind of providing value and, and content that can really, really help people from a data standpoint, from an education standpoint. So, you know, I would challenge you guys, you know, if, if you're listening to the podcast as a loyal listener, awesome. Keep it coming. We've got some good content coming down the pipe. And then, too, if, you know, you're looking for other channels, we're, we're also on YouTube. We've got a library of really great content that we have there. And, you know, too, if also if you're listening to this and you're newer, you know, or you're just getting started, um, you know, Spark our education platform, something really great to check out. Um, it's, you know, if you go to the learn tab, I think on ClickBank, uh, check out the affiliate marketing courses there. We've got a whole library of them from, you know, very first steps to super advanced taxes. So check it out. But, you know, guys, just want to say thanks for having me on the podcast. Feels like I said, feels good to be back behind the, Behind the mic again. Yeah, thanks for coming to the nice. podcast that you run. Yeah, that's yes. <laughs> yeah, thanks for showing yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say, hey, go go rate and, subs and subscribe or go rate and review. Is that how you there do it? There we go. Yeah. Rate and review. Oh, you, you have the CJ. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. No, I really, I love to see those uh, comments come in on like iTunes, like kind of dashboard stuff there. So, yeah. And, yeah. and another thing, too, if, you know, um, 
write us some lines of, of topics you guys would like to see. Yeah, we love feedback. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're, we're super open into, you know, hey, what are topics you guys want to see? Who are people you want to have interviewed? You know, what are yep. some of the tactics that we should be tackling, you know, on these podcast episodes? Because I've been shocked at the names we've gotten on the podcast already. So, yeah, sky's yeah. the limit. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're working on Bezos. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I've sent him lots of letters. That's um, weird. I've emailed him. Yeah. I one even so had weird. some lockets of my hair in there. I thought that would for sure work. But yeah. now my Amazon account shut down. <laughs> Cool, guys. Hey, well, guys. yeah, thanks yep, for having yep, me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So again, as we have the CTA, really look forward to seeing what those reviews and those comments are going to be, because um, obviously we need ideas. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but um, again, thanks so much. Look forward to having you listen next time. Bye.